Hello there. Welcome to This Might Be a Bad Idea, a podcast about taking some chances in life amid that ever-present possibility of failure. My name is Denton Lee. This show, in every possible way, is going to be about taking risks. Those that we have taken in the past, those that we're going to take, those that we are taking, and maybe those that we really, really need to take. My long-range vision for this podcast is to interview people who took risks, like starting a business, going for that long-shot audition, or maybe they took a risk on something they said that forever changed their life. And we're not talking about risks that only led to successes. We learn a lot from risks that turn into failures. I know I have. But my first interview is going to be talking to a man who's different from me only in the color of his skin. And I just thought that was the most important interview I could participate in right now when it seems the world doesn't really know what to do next. Maybe it involves taking a few risks. I'm not sure we're going to solve the world's problems in our conversation, but the most important thing we can do right now is continue to have the conversation, and hopefully that will move us towards a better and more equitable tomorrow for all of us. Stay tuned after the break and before my conversation with Daniel Henderson for a short segment called What Could Go Wrong. It might be pretty eye-opening if your brain doesn't work exactly like mine does. But first, one of the worst homemade theme songs you'll ever hear. One, two, three. Yeah, you can learn to fly or wind up on TV. But the voice inside is telling you this might be a bad idea. Yeah, you could be rejected or hooked up to IVs. Just tell that voice to shut on up because it might be a good idea. Welcome back to This Might Be a Bad Idea. A few days ago, I put a picture on Facebook that I found really funny. It was an ad for the online company Wish, and it showed a man in a polo shirt onesie. It was literally a polo shirt that became a full-on baby's onesie at the bottom, complete with snaps. It was just hilarious. A grown man standing there with what appeared to be his attempt at a sexy look on his face, dressed in a onesie with snaps under the crotch and nothing covering his legs. I had a few people tell me after a few comments that I was thinking way too much about that onesie, which I called a manzie because that's exactly what it was. But thinking too much is just how my mind works. I mean, how can you not look at a man's onesie and not think through the entire transaction? Do you wear underwear? What kind of underwear? If you wear boxers, would they go over the onesie bottom? If they went under the onesie bottom, how would that even work? Would you be embarrassed if you had a lady take off your pants and had horrible visions that there might be a diaper behind those snaps? How would a doctor react if you went in for a physical and he had to watch you unsnap your manzy so he could do a hernia check? This is just how my mind works. I don't know how people can see something like that and not think through every possibility of what wearing a manzy might mean to your everyday life. And I do the exact same thing times a thousand for pretty much every big decision I make. It can sometimes be exhausting, but I've come to just acknowledge that that's what I need to do to feel comfortable with something I'm considering. So I'd like to lead off my first show by publicly talking about what could go wrong in my current big risk, because you know if I can put that much thought into a man's onesie, I can analyze the hell out of a pros and cons list. I'm running for the North Carolina General Assembly as an unaffiliated candidate, the only unaffiliated candidate running for state legislature in North Carolina which means I don't have the money or the power of political parties pushing me through to November. I'm basically a one-man show, and honestly, I kind of like that. But there most definitely are pros and cons to doing it this way. 
First of all, I know people look at me, I know they do, and they say, this guy ain't got a chance. In response to that, if I was going to let the naysayers affect me, don't you think I would have done that before I signed up for this? I already knew the naysayers and trolls were out there. I also already knew how satisfying it would be to ignore them and or prove them wrong. I mean, what exactly do I have to lose by taking this chance? Well, based on what I've just proven, you know I thought about that. I guess hypothetically, I could lose by such ridiculous margins that write-in candidates get more votes than I do, whereby I might feel inclined to go live out my days in Idaho, but I have failed so much in my life that one more failure might change the destination, but it won't change the drive. If you didn't listen to my intro podcast, I'm three years sober and on a mission to live a life without any more regrets. I failed life for 20 years, people, and I was about one bender away from losing everything in it. I think I can handle losing an election. But what else could go wrong? Well, I could fumble my words in an interview. I've already done it and survived. I could be put on the spot with something I should know but don't. I learn new stuff every single day, so that won't be the last time I am made to look stupid or unprepared. An internet troll could stalk me relentlessly and badmouth me constantly. It's inevitable with public service, I guess. And I guess I could also just send him a list of hobbies he could pursue. What else? Well, I might not raise enough money to run a competitive campaign and have to resort to standing on street corners screaming my message into a megaphone like a street corner preacher. I'll do a lot to win, but I probably won't do that. So when you truly step back and analyze what could go wrong by running a campaign unlike any other in the state of North Carolina, I promise you I thought of everything that could go wrong before I ever started, and I still went through with it. Because why the hell not? Somebody has to fix this travesty we call government. Why not me? So what could go wrong if I actually went? Well, I could get to Raleigh and be shunned by both sides and shut out of even contributing ideas. That's fine, I guess. I would still have a vote that counted the same as theirs, and I can always throw my ideas out into the world via social media and hope the echo is loud. What else? The job of state representative could be so overwhelming that my family life struggles. Maybe, but there's this great thing sobriety taught me called priorities. I absolutely love my family. I can tell you pretty quickly which one I would quit if I had an ultimatum to pick one and lose the other. We can keep that going forever, but that's enough for now. I mean, we could create an entire novel out of what could go wrong in one politician's life, and I'm sure there are entire novels that do that very thing. But what could go right by taking this crazy chance? Well, I could actually win. I could be a unifying leader we so need right now. I could help kickstart real change in a legislature that has stopped participating in the legislative process because grown-ups that disagree can no longer compromise. I could help save the integrity of education in North Carolina. I could be a leader in our newly resuscitated quest to make humans equal. I could reinstall the transparency and honesty and trust between citizens and elected officials. This is so worth the gamble. I highly recommend it. Wearing a man's onesie, however, is never okay. Well, I mean, if it is requested for some sort of role-playing adventure in the bedroom, I guess you have to do what is requested, but I wouldn't tell anybody. There is no other excuse for a man to snap his shirt together between his legs. We'll be right back with my conversation with Daniel Henderson. Welcome back to the show. 
My guest today is Daniel Henderson, a fellow teacher, though he is with Durham Public Schools while I'm with Johnston County Schools. Daniel got his undergraduate degree in journalism at North Carolina A&T University in Greensboro and a Master of Arts in Teaching degree, a program he and I attended together, at East Carolina University. He is from a family of six boys, and he has five children of his own, three girls and two boys. He has been married to his wife for nine years. Let's talk to Daniel. Welcome back. We are here with Daniel Henderson. Uh, he is a public school teacher in Durham Public Schools. Um, and Daniel, just give you a little background on where this podcast came from and where it's where my intentions were for it was um, this world needs something uplifting in it. This world needs something to, to the, the positive momentum in it, um, which we don't have a lot of positive momentum in it. And I, you know, taking a chance on running for office made me think, you know what, we need more people in this world that take risks. And right now the, the black lives matter movement is clearly a risk that is worth taking. It's a risk that has been, you know, sort of under the, you know, under the radar, it, it pops up every now and then, but it's, but now it's, it's really, you know, it's in full force. So in, in your opinion, is this, how, how do you feel personally that you risking in this black lives movement? Well, I think, um, you know, for any, any, any I'm not going to just say person of color, but just any person in general, like responding uh, to a movement, of this nature um I, I would think you know you you tend to think about you know other things that are associated with you that can be affected by what you say you know by what you do so uh just kind of piggy piggybacking on myself you know you know going out to protest you know marching getting tear gas those things uh really just kind of paying close attention still uh, you know, to my actions uh, and, and fighting for what I believe in and, and making sure it's not, you know, it's not, you know, too impactful, like with my job or, you know, I'm not doing anything to embarrass my family, you know, or any, anything of that nature. But I, I would definitely agree with you in terms of uh, just the momentum uh, right now with the movement. And uh, just this is probably the, in my opinion, uh the one time where I can actually really feel it, feel a shift. And I think that I, I do believe the pandemic right now uh, that we're, you know, still kind of the midst of played a, did play a role. It's playing a role uh, with it because people have more time to like think and really reflect, you know, on a lot of the stuff we should have been thinking about a long, long time ago, uh, you know, that mattered to our society. So I think that's played a role like with the shift, but, you know, as a person of color that's, that's been fighting uh, for this for years you know I, I definitely definitely can feel uh, like I said a change uh, getting ready to take place oh I, I can too I mean there's definitely something different this time than every other time um, and you know we're going to see things different than a lot of people because we're teachers um, and we see you know I don't know I, Dur Durham still a high minority um, school district the, the school I teach at is 80% poverty uh, I mean, we're 40% black, 40% Hispanic, um, you know, 20, only 20% white at the school I teach at. And I've been there for, this will be my eighth year coming up. Um, so in your opinion, based on what are the specific things 
that need that we need to take chances on right now and change? I mean, what are the what are the specific things? Well, it's you know, it's so many. <laughs> it's so many. It's kind of you know. Uh, I know, but if you had to give a top three, if you had to give a top three of what are the specific things that we as a society have to work on to say that we've had a successful movement? You know, if, if it's up, you know, if you're coming from me, just my personal opinion, uh, thinking about it, uh, number one would probably be uh, just like racism in the workplace. You know, just thinking about the different ways uh, race can have an impact uh, in the workplace, uh, you know, with people of color, uh, you know, every, you know, you have a lot of companies that in organizations that have these policies in place to make sure there's equal opportunity, you know, but it's, um, I'm not sure how often, uh, that's really, you know, that that's, that's really taking place, you know, granted, I don't have any stats or anything to back up what I'm saying right now, but, uh, you know, just from experience and talking with others and, and, and kind of seeing some of it myself. I mean, I think that's probably a big one right there uh, for right now. Um, you know, and I'm just, like I said, some of it, you know, in my opinion, it's not, you know, I, I, you just, as, a, as a, a person of color, man, you just want to feel comfortable, like, wherever you go. So, I mean, I don't know if this is, oh, let's fight for, to make this happen, too, and then that happened. But, you know, I, I want to feel comfortable leaving at nighttime and making sure you know, uh, I don't have to pay so much attention to what I wear, you know, so I'm so I'm not a threat, or so I, uh, you know, so I don't feel like a threat to the people around me. And I'm gonna switch that up because I don't feel like a threat to the people around me, but the people around me feel like I'm a threat to them, you know. So little things like that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more from my internal experience in terms of my top three, you know. So just the workplace, you know, some of the systemic racism that takes place. Uh, you know, me being comfortable leaving, you know, my home and going out and not feeling like, a, uh, you know, others feeling like I'm a threat to them. Um, I mean, yeah. Can I piggyback on that? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I had, I had, um, you know, I've thought so much about this because, you know, number one, I'm in the middle of a, of, of a campaign and, you know, how do I use the, the pandemic and the black lives matter and the fact that we can't get out and actually campaign, how do I use all this to my, so I've really, thought i mean i really i mean i'm in my head all the time and i've really thought about where does where does this black lives matter thing where has it impacted me and the biggest impact i've had was on really two stories um and one was a story i read about a a black guy who lived in a predominantly white neighborhood all right Mm -hmm. and for four years for four years he walked in his neighborhood every single day and every single day he refused to walk alone because he knew he was a target Mm -hmm. Of, of systemic racism of, you know, it, it, it just scared him enough that he refused to walk in his neighborhood alone. And, you know, he'd take his daughter, he'd take uh, his dog, he'd take his wife, but every day he refused to walk in his neighborhood alone. And, you know, I, I thought about that and I said, imagine me as I, I cannot empathize with it because I've not been there. I can't imagine going to the grocery store and, feeling like my the color of my skin has people looking at me differently as a almost as a threat or as a danger to them um and i had never really thought about that before so i've been forever changed because of exactly what you just said being just walking out of the house um and that's that's insane to me i, I cannot believe that in 2020 i mean you you read facebook a lot and you see the you see the division and you can mm-hmm. believe it but 
but it's just it's hard to fathom that we can't be a society that just lets everybody be who they want to be and it's 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 unfathomable unfathomable to me um and you know your your first point about you know in the workplace i mean look at look at schools right now you know we have in a, in a school with you know 40% black 40% hispanic i think we might have one hispanic teacher i think we might have 8 or 10 black teachers out of 110 teachers um is there is there some semblance of racism just in the fact that we don't have many teachers in that job i don't know the answer to that um but i mean what do you think is there is there does something stem from racism that is there reason that there aren't many teachers of color well you know it's and it's I, like as you were talking my, my mind started shifting complete to completely something different or to something completely different like within they okay, go there i don't okay. care go there <laughs> I, I kind of want to get this out, you know, and I'm like, it's just real careful with my wording, but yeah, I think the one thing that really, uh, you know, you know, it's bothered him, bothers him to watch, uh, you know, during the pandemic is just watching the school system shut down. Right. And then you're looking at, uh, you know, the different school systems that are like prepared and ready to deal with, okay, we're moving to virtual learning. You know, we have, we have, all the resources we need in place, you know, to make this happen, you know, for, uh, you know, for our students. And unfortunately, you know, every school system, you know, wasn't equipped the same way, but, you know, in my, and I'm like, I said, I'm trying to be very careful with, with what I say here, because I know obviously, you know, you know, we're going public, but, yeah, it's it just we're it, we're open book. Okay, <laughs> but it, it it really did hurt, you know, to just kind of watch, you know, you know some some of the kids that, and I'm thinking specifically, and it you know uh, a, a large uh, population of kids of color, and some school systems that didn't have the resources they needed to be successful at home, you know, with the uh to continue like learning, you know, just from an you know, at home online. And, 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 and for me, you know, it just broke my heart because, you know, it's like, you, you guess a lot of these kids, these are the ones that really need it. Like they need like some sort of avenue, like something to, to really, you know, kind of get their mind off all the different uh, dynamics that are happening and things that are happening at home to feel like they have a chance to be successful, you know? So you just, so you just kind of yeah. watch, you know, and it's and I'm, I'm thinking just online being online as well and hearing from other people in other states, you know, about this uh, as well. It's like, man, what the heck? Like the ones that really need it right now aren't get quite getting the service because I mean, granted, nobody expected not they yeah, can't exactly yeah. nobody expected it to, you know, anything to get to this point. But it just made it made made me really reflect on, you know, as a nation. You know, and then within this, our, you know, the different states, like, what are we doing to make sure that every every child has an equal opportunity? So, yeah. OK, so th- that's a perfect, perfect avenue or perfect switch up to go to. Because, all right. So I'm doing a lot of work right now, um, a lot of research, a lot of brainstorming. I, I tell you, I mean, I'm in my head all the time. Um, we've got three things that are coming together right now to possibly be and and i'm going you know i'm gonna find everything in my power to find the positive in everything it's just who i am now um but there could be a real positive 
to three things that have come together all at the same time. And that is the pandemic, Black Lives Matter movement, and the Leandro report. Do you remember hearing about the, Le- the Leandro report? That came I out read last about year? it slightly, and I know that that was that's one thing that's being pushed right now. And, uh, you know, with that whole equal opportunity dynamic. But you can go ahead and elaborate a little bit more about it. Yeah. So basically, the Leandro report said the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway to me is the fact that we are we have so many uh, rural areas in in North Carolina that do not have the infrastructure to have. Um, you know, we can't do distance learning in Jones County, North Carolina. They don't have, they don't have internet. You know, they don't have, there's so many areas that don't have, you know, cable internet, you know, satellite internet's terrible, but don't have adequate internet so that we can actually live up to the constitute, what the North Carolina constitution says. And the North Carolina constitution says that we give, and I can't quote this perfectly, but that we have to give equal uh, educational opportunities to all students in North Carolina. Well, right now, the fact that we can't, that they don't have the same technology at their, at their houses, we can't offer equal opportunities, can we? we? We can't. So the fact that we now have to, I mean, don't you think that we have to offer people the opportunity to have distance learning now in the middle of a pandemic? I, I mean, for. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to go just elaborate what, you, what you're saying. And then I think. Okay, I mean, okay, so let me let me ask you a question about this. In in the uh-huh. fall, do you think we can require? Can we require every student to to go to school? Uh, uh, or do we get? Or do we have to give them distance learning as an option? I, you know, I I mean, just I, I think you know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking like going into the next school year. You know, it's it's, it's really. I mean, if, right now, if, if, and I've seen, seen other states kind of implement it, and they they're phasing. You know they they're still treating it as a phasing process, but uh, it's I think it'll be d- difficult to to go r- uh, back to school right away with all the different changes. You know having a, a, a social di- socially distance, uh, you know six feet apart, requiring the kids to wear masks. I mean I, that's going to be that's going to be a pretty big challenge. And I I think I mean this is just me look, looking at the uh, you know this is like me foreshadowing about what I think may take place. I'm thinking they there might be a situation where you know you you try to like phase and, and get people within the building and make those things happen, but then you got to pull right back out of it right away because you know because of you know kids getting affected or numbers going up whatever the case may be. So I mean I'm I just just me being a teacher and just my personal opinion I'm thinking going into next year you probably I mean I there probably will be. Uh, virtual learning to start out you know and just kind of see like if you know number wise are we are we stable are we you know going down are we going up then you know after a few months maybe phasing into you know getting the kids in uh but the challenge going back to what you originally said the challenge is going to be making sure that every kid has an equal opportunity at home you know they have it in that they have a device and i know some school districts are moving moving uh on to becoming one-to-one, you know, and making sure, you know, every child has a computer. And in that, I have absolutely no idea how that's going to work. Uh, but. And it's, but that's no good if they don't have internet access yes, at it, home. You know, a computer does no good if they don't have right, anything at home. You're right. So I have, you know, there's, there's a lot of challenges, man. No matter which way you look at it, going in the building or being home, I mean, there are challenges in place. I know some school districts had 
uh, or at least in some cities, you know, there was internet service uh, that was made available and free to residents as long as they didn't have a bill uh, that was to, to you know, a pass through yeah. bill. So, you know, is there going to be some sort of contract, you know, the, the school district signs with the company? I have no idea. <laughs> what it's going to look like. Then you got to think about internet and installation in everybody's home. I mean, it's, it's a lot right now for. Uh, and, and that's why I've, that's kind of where I'm, where I was going with it. We've got the perfect storm of three things that are going to, you know, number one, you can, you can say, well, with, with pandemic, with black, well, pandemic, number one is, can we require people to go back to school? I have a heart condition. Can you require me? I mean, can't I, I mean, if we have some distance learning, if we have on-site learning and distance learning, can't I choose as a teacher to take over the distance learning part um, for the kids that, for the kids that don't want to go back to school that are, you know, scared hmm. of the virus or whatever. And I'm not scared of it. I'm not terrified of it, but I don't want to take a chance. Absolutely. With it either. Absolutely. Um, cause, cause my family, you know, my family is more important than mm-hmm. my job. You know, I, I can I can support myself. I can live in a you know one room apartment to support my family if I have to, not and then and downsize my mm-hmm. job. But my family is more important than anything yes. else. So do, do I sacrifice that by going back to work with a heart condition? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Yet. I don't know the answer to that yet. So we can we require that? Um, but then you've got so you've got the pandemic. That's one. That's one thing. You've got the Black Lives Matter movement. That's that's saying you know what we've got a lot. Of, minority students that are not getting equal equal opportunities in schools they're not because they don't have the same um, resources at that school we don't have the same quality of teachers at those schools Mm -hmm. but then they also don't have equal opportunity at home for distance learning Mm -hmm. so you've got the perfect storm of those two things then when you include the leandro report that basically said we are not living up to what the north carolina constitution requires of us Mm -hmm. then you put on the legislature um, we have to we have to find a way to to make equal opportunity education for every single student in North Carolina. I don't care if they live in Jones County or in downtown Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's a it, it, there's there's those three things coming together are a, could be a really really good thing for education. Um, and you're gonna and you're gonna also see that in charter schools. You know, the charter school that's right across the street from my school, they don't offer transportation or lunch. You've just eliminated. Mm-hmm. You've just eliminated a whole whole lot of minority students. So, mm. all of a sudden, you've gotten. You know, you can you can claim or well, not claim, but you, we can use the Black Lives Matter movement and say, is that not a form of racism? Is you not offering it transportation and lunch? Is that not a form of racism? I I think it Interesting. is. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. all of these things kind of coming together could be really good for public education. Um. But we'll see. So, Daniel, we are closing in on 20 minutes. Um, I'm gonna, uh, not, you know, I, th- I think it's been a great conversation. So I'm, we're not boring our, not boring any, our, our, you know, both of our listeners. Hi, mom. Um, yes. But <laughs> so uh, hey, what well. is, uh, what's next for you in your life? What's, what's your next, you know, this, as I said, this podcast is, is about, um, is about taking risks in life. So what's, what's your next risk? Any idea? Yeah. Uh you know, it's it, and then I haven't haven't talked much about this. I know I really haven't put much of it online, but I'm you know I'm in the military as well. You know, so uh, a lot some of the same things and you know that you may see uh, speak out of uh, about or fight just fight for online. You know, 
I'm just trying to make sure I use, you know, the platform I have, you know, and the voice I have to be effective within the school system, you know, to be, be effective within the military as well. You know, we had a nice, nice conversation over this past year weekend. Um, and, and you could really, you know, me being the only uh, per, uh, or black man within a unit, you know, they, they really, you know, I could tell they want, they really wanted me to speak and, and hear, uh, you know, just truly how I felt, you know, ser- of serving, you know, our country, but then at the same time feeling like, you know, there's some things that are not quite right, you know, uh, for people of color. And I really appreciate it, you know, just, you know, that opportunity within uh, uh, the Navy Reserve. So, you know, right, just making sure my voice is being heard at each level, no matter what, what my job is, you know, and of course, you know, working as uh, within the school system and being a teacher, you know, you want to obviously do what you can to, to take advantage of every leadership opportunity, uh, opportunity that you have, you know, so as, you know, whether I'm, you know, leading, you know, a staff as a teacher or doing it as an administrator, it doesn't matter to me as long as change is happening. And, and, I, and I can see that we're progressing, you know, across the board, you know, with, with my voice, uh, you know, being effective, that's all that matters to me. So just trying to uh, do what I can to uh, continue to create change. You're the man. What did you tell me? Let me, let me uh, just clarify one thing. You said Navy reserves. Is that what you're in? Yes. Yes. Okay. Navy reserves. I, I don't yes. I either had forgotten that or, um, uh, we, or just did not ever know it. I think, I, I think I did know that once upon a time. So, um, yeah, it's been a, been a while. <laughs> well, cool. Well, Daniel, uh, this has been great. I will, um, in my, in my campaign and in, you know, win or lose, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all about equality in every single way we possibly can. Yes. Um, cause the good, the good Lord put the same breath in all of our lungs. And Absolutely. so, um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight right alongside you, bud. Man, I wish you the best of luck. And I know that I'm here to support you too. If you need, need anything, you know, need to have help in any capacity man just feel free to hit me up so all right daniel i appreciate it very much have a great weekend no problem you too all take right. care of this all right bye. bye my sincere thanks to daniel henderson for my first podcast interview i'm pretty sure it was his first podcast interview too and after not talking to him in person for about eight years it was a lot of fun catching up with him until next time that's my show Both of you guys that made it this far have been amazing. Hit that subscribe button now and you can take that off of your to-do list. Also, if you're interested in reading my blog, you can find it at dlee3.com. That's D-L-E-E, the number three, dot com. I mostly talk about life after addiction and teaching and politics, and I dare you to find more open and honest reflections on some very difficult subjects. Lastly, if you're wondering, and I know you are, The music in the theme song came from the free YouTube audio library. The music is by Audio Nautics, and it's called Country Q1. They are not the reason the theme song sucks, however. Since I wrote the lyrics and sang the vocals, I am the reason the theme song sucks. One final thing. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider telling your friends. If you're really daring and want to see if you even need this podcast, consider telling your enemies. That would be really risky. Also, feel free to contact me through the message link on the podcast or email me at dentonleeiii at gmail.com. I sincerely appreciate you sharing a short piece of your day with me. 
And always remember, today is the beginning of whatever the hell you want it to be. You may leave now. Bye-bye.